Welcome back, brothers and sisters. We are kicking off another season of the Working Game Podcast, and this will be the first episode of Season 2. Just trying to regroup, refocus, get things going in the direction we need to, while still hanging out and having a good time. And as always, we got to shoot a word out there for the folks that are supporting us, keeping this thing running. We got Real Pipe and Valve that's hanging in there with us. Appreciate that, Bo and Austin. All the help and support that you guys have given us throughout this first season. Hopefully, we can continue to work together through the next. And the same with Matt and Kane McCallan from Flow Source. A couple vendors that I appreciate and use on a regular basis have uh, been in a bind before, and these guys have always bailed me out. And the stuff we do in construction with pipe fitting and plumbing and all that good stuff requires resources and a these are two that i use normally working with them makes me proud the contractors out there that are supporting us though they're few and far between i don't see the advantage of talking to all you wonderful people out there in the working world and getting more people into the trade to do the work that they have acquired if you are a contractor and you're interested just get on the website workinggamepodcast.com there's a place where you can contact me i will be glad to get with you if you would like to support this effort and one other thing i'd like to mention that's going to help keep this thing running is there is a new website called wgsquared.com that's something that we've put together we just got some cool union swag sweatshirts t-shirts long sleeve shirts no matter if you are a pipe fitter plumber uh, even electrician I plan on putting stuff in there for carpenters, boilermakers, you know, just different jurisdictions. You know, it doesn't have to be pipe fitters and plumbers. As long as you are a brother and sister and support organized labor, it's a place where you can go get sweatshirts and cool swag to show your pride of what you do and what you support. And when you do that, the proceeds go towards supporting all the funding of putting this together and having a good time and keeping it going. So if you could, please check out WG squared go get you some in this episode you know, kind of leading into with this season and this episode I want you guys to pay attention to some of the things that go around in conversation what we talk about I mean a lot of it's just hanging out shooting the shit just like we always promote or we always say that we're doing which that's what it is it's a hobby with a purpose but every once in a while we'll talk about things that are going on and realize how much work is out there and the title of this one, I'm going to call it Big Money because we are on the verge of a new contract. Uh, there's a lot of places out there that are renegotiating, looking at the cost of living increases and our wage increases and how that ratio has become a bit skewed. You may remember some of the things that went down late last year with the UAW and how that went. And it's just a trickle down effect. And that's what people don't realize with organized labor the people that brought you an eight-hour workday, the weekend, all the things and benefits that you get as the blue-collar worker were provided by people who were organized and stood up against the people that were trying to capitalize on and benefit at other people's expense. You know, and the conditions get so bad to where, of course, we have to stand up and say, no, we can't do that and fight for what is right. You know, that's what it's all about. It's not It's not a special group. It's all about the well-being of our economy, our communities, and the people that we work and live with. 
So pay attention to some of that in the upcoming episodes. You'll see some of these jobs, like I've sent a crew up to Lebanon to LP1, start plumbing trailers for the, the trailer city up there. That's a great big one here in the Midwest. They claim that they're going to have around 4,000 employees on site when that is the peak manpower. Um, there's other plants, the EV plants, chip plants, things that are coming up. You know, there's a big LEAP program that uh, the technology producers are looking at the Midwest to build all kinds of resources, you know, due to the, the work ethic that's around here and, and our ability to understand the technology that they're bringing in and using. Um, it's There's a lot of work in the Midwest coming up and it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and hopefully we'll have the opportunity to talk about some of that. So just pay attention in the episodes as we go and we'll get to hear some of that. But enough of me rambling on, let's get into this week's episode of the Working Game Podcast. What up, bro? There we go. There he is. Damn, dude, you look like fucking 10 years younger. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's kind of weird, isn't it? <laughs> it is weird. You work some overtime this week? I did. Two? Yeah? Yeah, I've been hard at it lately. I mean, we took a three-day weekend last week just because it was a holiday, but we've been working six tens for a couple months. It's Non-stop, dude. Starting to wear down on you a little bit? Yeah, it's, I've done it so much. It's just I don't want to. You know, it pays good, but it's just a shift, you know? Yeah. I get tired of the one-day weekends. That's that's the part that I, have a, uh, that I struggle with. Would you rather do, like, fucking five twelves? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> dude, I'm so pissed. So I was trying to – I was actually going to drag up this week but i was trying to be a good boy for hmh i was like man i'll finish out the week with him i seen something on the board and i was like, close to the house it was four tens with some overtime and i was like all right i'll wait till fucking thursday and then bid on it and then knowing my, my luck fucking wednesday somebody took the call <laughs> yeah i was like fuck man shit jump i know I know. It's, I, so I'm in their fab shop right now building these. They got these uh, glycol panels for Allison. They're kind of cool. It's just like a whole bunch of controls and shit like that. And it's all soldered. They needed a fucking plumber in there to solder them, apparently. But now I'm building these fucking... They, it's cool. They built these uh, carts, tubing, and like, you know, some quarter-inch gauge uh, metal. It's got pumps on them and... Uh, heat exchangers and some electric heaters are pretty cool, but I don't know. I'm salty inside, though. Yeah. Are you working for HMH? I thought you were with QPH. No. Uh-uh. I was with them for about four years. Then I kind of forced, forced them into laying me off. Went to AA Huber for about six months. They got slow, and I've been with HMH since. Yeah, yeah, I guess pretty, that makes sense. Since you were at Roach, that makes sense. Yeah, They're, HMH is a pretty good fucking outfit. I will have to say. Yeah, yeah, I've heard they are. Yeah, they do. I mean, probably more industrial shit like you do. Right. So it's not bad. 
Where's their shop at? Kokomo. <laughs> Jeez. So yeah. So it's an hour drive on a, with no traffic, which, I mean, if you're an hour or under, it's not bad. But there's tons of work in Indy right now. It's fucking 15, 30 minutes from my house. All right. Maybe I'm just being a little scared. It's pretty relaxed. I've never been in a fab shop like that before. So, yeah, and it'd be cool, you know, for a little bit. But, you know, it's hard for me to judge on an hour drive because I've been doing that for 30 years, man. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> I, I'll bitch to people. I'm like, you know, I was working with one cat. He was driving, I think it was an hour 45 to Kokomo for him. So I'm like, man, I can't really bitch because your drive is a lot worse than mine. Yep. Yeah. I've done an hour and a half before. For about a year and a half, and it's just, it's just too much, man. Yeah, dude. And then you, and then just plus working. So eight hour day turns into fucking 12 hours, 12 and a half hours. Yep. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And our jurisdiction has gotten huge. You know, I mean, taking in Kokomo and then Monsi, and I mean, hell, we go clear to Richmond now. It's, there's absolutely no way I would do take a job in Richmond. Yeah, you me know? neither. That's like, three-hour drive for me. Probably a little over. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. That's that's way too much. I might as, I might as well travel right. it. That's what I'm saying. You know, you, you couldn't drive that every day. I mean, you could, but it'd be senseless. You know, you'd have to end up finding a place to stay, and yeah. nobody in their right mind is going to do that for 40 hours. Yeah. Yeah, there's no way. And I'm working with a guy that used to travel a lot. He's pretty pretty good dude. Pretty good welder, too. So, a lot of good welders in the shop, but I'm sure it's a lot easier welding in a shop than it is in the field. Yeah, and that's where most people get the ones that are really good at it. That's where they get good at it because that's all you do. You do it over and over and over, you know, and you get that muscle memory. It's just repetition. You know, you learn how to do it and get good at it and then just practice every single day for eight hours a day then you're going to get good at it i was the same way i used to be really good at it but shit i can't i can still do it but not like i used to yeah i was fucking around out in the garage with my boy putting some exhaust on his car he had a it had an old uh, glass pack on it and we basically split it and it, it had broken loose inside so it rattled all the time so we cut it and pulled the guts out of it and put it back together, you know, and I was TIG welding that shit up and it's like, I can't see it. I was like, <laughs> I was welding along and just, you know, walking the cup, the puddle looked good. I was feeding the wire in, everything went good and the weld looked real good. I lifted my hood up and I tracked off to the right, man. I couldn't even see the crack. I was like, Yeah, dude, I, I was looking at some of these guys' welds in there. I'm like, dude, you guys are fucking machines. Dude, it looks like a fucking machine did it. Yep. I'm going to go ahead and mention UA.org. As I said earlier in this show, our main goal is to get people to join the apprenticeship, get people into the UA program. We've been working with training directors and state organizers to open avenues and get people in the trade. There's so much work coming up right now that we really need to boost our membership just to keep up. 
With contractors increasing their market share, the demographics of the UA needs to increase along with it so we can continue to operate as a team and get all this work done. The United Association has made a substantial commitment to organize the unorganized, to bring the benefits of union representation to workers in the piping industry who have not had the benefit of belonging to a union. UA organizers are strong, determined, and above all passionate about ensuring that the rights of all workers are respected and protected. So check it out at UA.org. If you look at that website, there's even a place, a tab where you can join the UA. Click on that tab and find a local union. There is a whole list of every state where they're available, multiple locals, so no matter where you're at, there is a place where you can find someone to get a hold of and start your career with the UA today. That's UA.org. Check it out. Yeah, it's rough today, man. This week, you know, I mean... We had a had a short week, and I swear it was the longest short week I've ever had, man. It was it has been on forever. And they come in, we're doing a remodel. It's about a about a forty thousand square foot remodel of these labs, upgrading and everything, and updating. We basically gutted the whole space. You know, there's two floors, and we gutted the whole space. Took ceiling out, demoed all the piping, the old piping. And, you know, redoing everything, turn it into a flex lab. They come in and since the ceiling's out, they basically take all the sprinkler drops out and turn them up and put temporary heads on them, you know, so we, we can get in there and work. And it's, it's less likely that they get hung up on the lift and popped off or something like that, you know. And we've been in there for probably two months. Well, the fire marshal came in this week uh -oh. and said, those sprinkler heads are too far away from the ceiling to run a class B fire watch. So now all our hot works have got to have class A dedicated fire watch with a one hour post watch. It's just, you know, it's like, holy crap, dude. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's what I told him. I, I actually did an estimate for each phase as a change order, because that's not what we had talked about in the beginning. You know, that's, that's man hours. That is, for every hot work permit, that is somebody that is there for the 10 hours a day, six days a week, that can do nothing but fire watch. They're not allowed to work on anything while they're fire watching. That's all they're allowed to do. You know, so I, I put three estimates together and sent them in. You know, it's, it's not my game. I'm just playing it. So then pretty much when you send that in, you're telling them you got to pay us T&M almost for covering that? Pretty much, you know, I mean, that's that's where it's at is that this is what we've been requested and required to do. And it's not in our budget. You know, that's not the agreement that we had. Yeah. How long does it take for them to tell you that they're going to cover it or they're not going to cover it? Forever. <laughs> <laughs> How many guys you got out there that just do fire? Would you have trainees do that or apprentices? Well, and that's, I had on the project, we have a trainee and two apprentices. I think one's a third year and the other one's a fourth year, you know? So, I mean, they were actually 
working, you know. So, I mean, anybody, even journeyman, can do the fire watch when it's class B, and you can still fit, you know, or even be the ground man or spot for a lift or whatever. You can still be productive, you know. But when it turns into a class A, we typically try to get an entry level, you know, whether it's training first year or something like that. But I did call out for two more first-year apprentices this week to cover that. You know, and that's where I'm at is I need I need funding to do that because I want to be hiring more people and that's more hours, all that fun stuff. <laughs> you know, and that's what they sprung it on us yesterday and said that we had or the they they came out and did the the assessment on Thursday and told us we had to start doing it Friday. And then today I got Wilhelm because anybody can firewatch as yeah. long as they've had the the hot work training and are up to date anybody can fire watch hell cbre can do it you know it's just so i ended up getting two laborers today just to come in and fire watch <laughs> so the guys that i brought in to do the work could actually work instead of standing there fire watching oh, yeah <clears throat> that sounds like a fucking headache it is typical lily man <laughs> that's like i said man it's just it's their game. We're just playing it. Yep. Yep. And the fire marshal that we have out there, he's strictly by the book, man. Everything is black and white. It is crazy. And if, you, ar- if you if you argue with him, he just makes it worse. Intentionally. <laughs> you know? So it's just like every time he comes around, okay, whatever you want, man. Whatever you want. You know, I don't know. <laughs> It's not, that's where I'm at. I'm not going to throw a fit. I'm not going to complain about it. I'm just going to turn in an estimate for the added hours that you just put on us. Mm. Yeah, we've had some jobs, man. It's just in a mechanical room. There's nothing but steel and concrete, and we have everything lined up. I mean, like the walls and everything lined with fire blanket. It's just like a good grief. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the effort that we put into doing that stuff is just absolutely ridiculous. You're spending more time putting fire blankets up than you are welding? Yep. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's crazy. Just so the concrete doesn't catch on fire. <laughs> you don't set the beams on fire. All right. I think I told you this before. When I was at Roche, they have a fucking four-hour fire watch. I don't know if it's class A or class B that you were talking about, but yeah. like, even if you strike up a fucking grinder, you got to fucking be in there for four hours after. That's so, dumb. Yeah, dude. It's so it's like you can't do anything past eleven thirty. You have to be done with what you're doing by eleven thirty. So right. yeah, and we have with the class A, you have a one hour post fire watch, and then it is determined by. The coordinator that issues the permit, you can do, they can do like up to three post checks. Like if you, once you complete your hour post fire watch, you have to come back like every hour for like three hours and check the area. <laughs> they, can, and they, they can make it one, one time or two times or three times. It's up to their discretion, depending on what kind of hazard and combustibles are around, what, what process you're using, you know, if you're, it's if you're orbital welding, they're less likely to do that. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're stick welding and grinding, then they might make you come back more often. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing. Amazing what I, you do to keep from catching concrete and drywall on fire. <laughs> you know, when I've when I've done this shit in places where 
there's pulverized coal dust, you know, fuel that they dump into a boiler for making a big ass firebox. And we do that kind of work. And it's just, oh my God. <laughs> I'll tell you what, we got a good raise this, uh, this year, dollar forty. Yeah. Yeah. You got more than that. <laughs> yeah, dude. I got a fucking fat raise, dude. I'm I'm just out here blowing money now. I'm like I got that journeyman fucking scale. <laughs> yeah, that's the best thing, man. Just throw it in the bank. Don't change anything that you don't have to. Yeah, it'll add up quick if you do. You'll you'll shit your pants, man. <laughs> if you just keep throwing it in the bank and not getting crazy, you'd be surprised how much it adds up. Can you tell that to my old lady? Uh-huh. I hear you. It's tough with kids too, man. Oh yeah, you got you spoiling babies. Oh yeah, yeah. It looked all like you worked last weekend. Got them all out there in the pool. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I bought one of them pools that it's it's not like inflatable sides on it, and my fucking backyard is real fucking sloped. Didn't work <laughs> out. Dude. Yeah, one, yep. one side four feet deep, the other side is fucking three inches. <laughs> uh, yep, I've seen that. I think my wife bought one a while back, and it, we just kept trying to find a spot that was level enough to set it up, you know? Yeah. So I actually fucking returned that pool today. <laughs> I bought a new one that has the inflatable fucking walls. Hey, so I got a question for you. I, the first year was asking me, do you consider doing VAVs? Is that fitter work or plumber work? I yeah. always see it as fitter work because that's the hydronics. Yeah. Yep, it is. Because then you there know, was a... Te- technically, if you look at... If you look at coded jurisdiction, it's it's fitter's work. Okay. Because then there was a, a big time traveler, and he's like, that's plumber's work. And I was like, well, I mean, I see where he's coming that's, from. He's he just didn't want to solder. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Man, I never realized yeah. how expensive solder is, too. Fucking, it was like 50 bucks for a roll. Damn. That- well, they get like 50-50 so- silver? <laughs> no. Dude, I think it was 95 5 Money, but they're yeah, maybe just because it's from Lowe's and they just tax. I don't know. Well, I mean, they they charge retail prices anyway. Yeah. And if you go to a plumbing shop, you yeah, it's, I haven't really looked at it for a while. I just tell someone else to buy it, you know. And <laughs> hey, I need I need twenty five pounds of solder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything's going up, but it's I. Be shocked if it's going up that much. I mean, it hasn't been that long since I bought it. Yeah, I had to find a picture for the guy to run to the sh- to store to buy me some, and I looked it up, and I'm it showed Lowe's. It was like fifty five bucks for for Sterling. I think it said ninety five five on it. I was like, God damn, that's fucking expensive. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it just keeps going up. Yeah, and it's just tin antimony. You know, if you start getting, I know it's been a while, but I did a a service job on a big chiller out on a job in Greenfield one time. We were doing some dissimilar metal connecting dissimilar metal. So we had to do silver solder on it. And we went in and I think we got, I want to say it was 45% silver and dude, they sold it by the Troy house. It was like, Holy shit. <laughs> How expensive was that dude? That stuff was, and that that was a long time ago, you know. And I want to say it was like seventy-five or eighty bucks per troy ounce, because yeah, it was silver. <laughs> God damn! 
mean, and it worked. It worked good too, man. That stuff was awesome. What uh, what metals were you brazing together? Copper and carbon. Copper and carbon. Yep. It flowed good. Stuck good. Still had to be clean. I mean, everything had to be super clean. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Hell, even the the brazing wire. You know, your typical copper brazing wire is. I think it's like a hundred and thirty bucks a pound now. God damn. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous, man. God damn. <laughs> Yeah, you see, it's just burning through it in class and at work, you know. I mean, and... <laughs> Big money. hey, I want to mention something right here. If you would, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, share it out there on social media, and check out wgsquared.com. It's a really cool place to get some really cool working gear. Working game, working gear. wgsquared.com. Check it out. So when do you get your schedule for next year for the upcoming I think year? They, I think they mail it. I'll probably get it sometime in August, right. maybe the end of July, but probably August. Break excited before classes time. start. <laughs> the day before. Right. You excited for a little break? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love getting the time off. I mean, I love doing it, but God, I hate being there all the time. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I, got, I got shit to do here, you know? Yeah. That's why I got home today, you know, work 10 hours a day and come home. And I'm out in the garden, taking the dogs out, doing all that stuff. We got work at 6, 4.30? 6.30 to 5. 6.30 to 5. Yep. Shit, so you yeah, don't probably after we 6. Went, we went for quite a while, you know, when it was just everybody working 5 8, so we, they mandated a 6.30 start time for everybody. So everybody was starting at the same time. And I just haven't changed it. There's some people that are doing 6 to 4.30, but I like getting there at 6.30 better than 6. I struggle with a 6 o'clock start time just because I got to I already, to get there at 6.30, I'm already getting up at 4.30, you know? Uh, time I get up, get ready, and get a little coffee in me and take dogs out, pack my lunch and get in the car and drive for an hour, you know, it's, then have, my, have enough time to get there and walk in be there on time you know it's it takes two hours yeah i remember when i was younger i used to be able to just wake up hop out of bed and be out of the door in like 15 minutes now i'm yeah. old and i gotta sit on the bench warm up for 15 minutes before i go to the bathroom and then fucking takes me 15 minutes to tie my boots <laughs> <laughs> my fat ass needs to just get slip-ons but ugh. So what time you get home at, like 6, 6.30-ish? Uh, yeah, because getting off at 5 o'clock, you get fresh hour traffic. So it takes about an hour and 20 minutes to get home. God damn. Yeah, it sucks. You know, and that's if I don't stop anywhere. Yeah, if I have to get gas or mama wants up from the grocery store, you know, it just, every time you stop, it just makes it longer. Oh, Yeah. And it's amazing, and and that's what I like about the six thirty to three, is that you are just a little bit off of everyone else's normal start and stop time, yeah. so the traffic is like so much better yeah. in the morning and in the evening. It's just because we're like in between everybody's normal start and stop time. And that's I love it. Yeah, it's crazy that how how much that thirty minutes really impacts your drive time. Yeah. Yeah, because you get out of the 
you know, we're in between the ones that are starting at six. You know, everybody's making the mad rush to get there at six. Well, we're right behind them, you know, right. and then we're ahead of the ones that are all, even the ones that start at seven, the ones that get there early enough, we're just a little bit ahead of them. Do you have to work today? No, there's no overtime right now. So, which I'm trying to get some overtime. They said just wait because the battery plant. <laughs> right. But yeah, it's it's not going to be too far off. If there'll be anybody can work whatever time they want. Yeah, it's coming. Yeah, I seen uh, North had a call out for plumbers and fitters up there at the battery plant. So like, it's fucking, it, it's going. Right. That's just crazy. They're pushing that one through. You know, I mean, with all the electric cars and shit that they're putting out, they need the batteries. Yep. I was talking to a guy, and he's like, watch, they're going to fucking build that. And he said, in three or, three or four years, you're going to figure out electric cars aren't what it cracked yeah. up to be, and they're going to retrofit yeah. it for combust combustion <laughs> engines again. I guarantee it, man. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's what gets me is that I, I can't believe that they haven't looked at the long term, you know, and I, because what does it take to make a battery? I mean, you get you typically use lead or NICAD or something, you know, whatever whatever lithium that they're getting, which you know, I mean, one of the largest sources of lithium is in Ukraine, which is being attacked by Russia right now. You know, yeah. and it's just I I can't believe they're and once you get the resources, make the batteries and use them a lot of that stuff is recyclable but what do you do with the waste yeah it's all going to be hazardous waste you know where what are they going to do with it you know i just i'd see it being more detrimental to the environment than than hydrocarbons you know yeah that's when we were at roche instead of using uh natural gas for their boilers they did electric and, you know, it's like, we're, you know, we're going green, but it's like, how is electricity made for that? Probably yeah. coal, because it's indie. Coal. It's like, well, if yes. you want to be, like, I was like, if you want to be green, at least understand and know how it works instead of just like, well, somebody told us it's going green. Let's, you right. got to research that shit. Because I, th I think I looked it up and it said 60% of our country is still coal and fossil fuels and shit like that. And I think like twenty percent is nuclear, and then twenty percent is solar and wind. But you know, yeah, wind farms are crazy, dude. That shit mesmerizes me when you're when you're driving on the interstate and you see all those damn windmills and shit out there. It's like, man, I can't help but look at them. You know, it's just spinning around, and it's like, damn, I'm driving. Quit looking. I'm driving. <laughs> dude, I was driving my mom back from Indiana to California. And uh, I think it was in Texas. Dude, we drove for fucking hours, and all it was was fucking the wind turbines. It's crazy, it was, isn't it? And yeah. The, and those things are like, I, I want to say they're like $2 million a piece. You know, and you look out, and there's like one after another, after another, after another, after another. And it's like, what the f Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I wish I was the guy that had the contract from the government for fucking putting those up. Dude, right. that's just funny. Yeah, I like when you're driving down the interstate and you see him pulling one of the props, one of the blades on it. You yeah. know, they got a big old extended trailer, things like fucking 60 feet long, man. <laughs> I watched some videos on him putting one of those together, you know, and it's really fucking cool. 
because yeah. they have, you know, the, the, the stand, the pole that it's mounted on is gets it up off of the ground where they can get into the, the wind current, you know, and then the generator sits on top of that. And then you've got the prop and the blades, they come down, there's rigging that comes out of it and drops down and they pick one up and then they rotate it and then the rigging drops down and they pick it up. It's, it was pretty cool to watch how they did it, you know. That's pretty dope. I wonder if they create that much energy. <laughs> well, I would think that they don't have to create a whole bunch to be more, because I mean, to me, wind is, that's free. That is totally non-hazardous to the environment and it's free. I I would imagine they don't have to make a whole bunch to make it better, you know? Yeah. But I don't know. You know, I mean, when you look at a, you know, a 700 kilowatt, turbine you know a steam turbine in a powerhouse whether it's whether it's the steam is made by coal or gas or whatever that's all they're doing is making steam yeah. so they can take the high pressure steam and turn the turbine and where the turbine the rotor and the stator and everything where the electricity is actually made it's is typically purged with an inert gas and a lot of times it's hydrogen you know which blows me i don't fucking understand it you know it's that's like one of the most flammable gases known to man, but it's, you know, it's, they use it to, because it's non-conductive. Yeah. You know, and it just, it shit's weird <laughs> how it works. Because you have to, you have to keep it, you have to keep it submerged in an inert gas so it doesn't create ozone or some shit, you know, and all yeah. so it'll arc it out. We can smoke in this fab shop. It's terrible. Oh, oh yeah. So I picked up another habit again. I saw that. Yep. All right. I got a question for you because you're intelligent. How does a heat exchanger work? Well, you understand this that a, B, a BTU is a British thermal unit, and it is the unit that they use to measure how much it, how much energy it takes to raise one pound of water one degree. So depending on how big your exchanger is, you know, and if you're heating or cooling, you look at fusion or latent heat of vaporization and how many BTUs you can get through that tube. And that's, that's all it is, is surface area contact. Wow. You know, you, if you're, if you're heating up a liquid with steam, which is typically what they do for like heating hot water and stuff like that, you've got a tube bundle that runs, the fluid runs through. And then they run steam around the tube bundle. And depending on how much surface area contact you have will determine how much heat you can transfer. Right. You know, and it's just it's the way it works. <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I thought about going real deep on you. Because of these heat exchangers, they probably weigh about 60 pounds. And I'd say they're five inches, I think five and a half inches deep. And then probably eight inches wide. And maybe two feet tall. Yeah. And it's got an electric heater next to it, which I'm assuming they're taking whatever it is and heating up whatever fluid's running through it, I assume. And right. it has an inlet and outlet. So then it's actually, it's not steam would it be then, would it? Off an electric heater? Would you be able to heat something up that quick off of that? Yeah, and it's probably just tempered. You know, if it's got an electric heater and 
as small as it is, I can't imagine it's doing much. Yeah. But you never know. I mean, you get some 40, 480 elements, you can put some pretty massive heat out with those things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and they do make small steam, electric steam generators. I mean, it could be. Yeah. It just depends on what it is. It's what it's going to. A lot of times, I mean, they're, they're saying it's glycol. Like, we have some that we put in labs because they there is a several different kinds you know besides glycol they're they're just temperature transferring fluids there's brand specific ones like daltherm and things like that that they use and it's mostly glycol you know but they can't use water because you can only get water down to about 42 degrees and use it properly you know, because once you start getting colder than that, it'll slush up, freeze, and all that stuff. So then they have to put, start putting glycol or some type of transfer fluid in it that won't freeze. You know, and if they're running, if they're running below thirty-two degrees, you can't use water at all because it'll it'll actually create chunks of ice in the fluid. You know, so it's got to be some type of heat transfer fluid. It's pretty crazy how it works, man. We've got some that they run, and it's I can't believe they have the whole system throughout the building, you know. And it's it's a glycol system, but it runs about about twenty five degrees. And if if the insulation gets damaged, it, it'll like create a big old ice block on it, you know, because it just <laughs> starts freezing the moisture in the atmosphere. And we'll have to go That's back cool. in get that stuff off of it and get the insulator out there and get it sealed up again. You know, it's, it's pretty crazy. That's how I heard is that Allison, some guys were telling me, they said, if something's not insulated within like 30 minutes, it's a block of fucking ice. Yep. I was like, I was like that's pretty fucking cool. But I guess that's where these carts I'm building are going to Allison. Yeah. Pretty- and that's, that's probably what I would imagine. Just guessing with Allison's does a lot of machining. And they have to cool the tools that they machine with, you know, yeah. I and mean, that's just, just speculating. That's probably something they're looking at. So I've seen I'll a send, bunch of it. I'll send you some pictures once I get one of the cards completed. That way you can actually understand what I'm talking about, not just my retarded fucking lingo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen. We did one at Cummins at the fuel systems plant where – you know, they had the big assembly line that did all the machining and stuff. And there was like a great big pit. And they basically had submersible pumps in there and it pumped it out into the lines that went out to the equipment. And they had hoses that came down and hooked up to all of it. And it would continuously flow on the equipment, the machining equipment to keep the blades and stuff cool. And then they would catch it underneath and it would run back to a trough and go all the way back to that reservoir. And it was just like a great big open site loop. They just dumped the shit on it and let it run back down the trough into the pit. You know, it's it's pretty cool how it worked. It looked like milk. It looked like like skim milk. It looked like white water, whatever the hell they were using. And some of those paint boosts they have are awesome, dude. Cause they would have stuff where they should rent it through a paint booth. And it was like, you know, I mean, I I've done auto body and stuff before and it's like a major process and it takes forever. And this stuff would go in one side and come out the other side, painted clean and dry. It's like, because it would go through the paint booth and they just spray it. 
and then it would go through a little oven and they'd bake it and it would dry and shrink up. And I was like, holy shit, that is crazy. <laughs> and it's just mm. one after another, after another, after another. <laughs> so you were talking yeah. earlier about like those science rooms are making them into like swing rooms. So do you got like uh, RO, DI and all that kind of stuff running in those rooms too, or is it? Yeah, this is all research. It's the only thing we have is uh, it's basically purified water. It's not even deionized. It's just purified. Okay. Is that and it's basically through RO reverse osmosis mostly. They okay. run it through an RO filter and then uh, UV lights to kill all the microbials and all that stuff. But because it's just research, you know. If you go if you go across the river where they actually produce medicine, they've got a much more intricate system. Okay. You know, it was through water softeners and then RO and then ultraviolet. And there's all kinds of stuff, you know, because you go from like, you go from like purified water to deionized water. And <clears throat> then it gets, goes into different steps to where you can get into what they call PWEC, which is purified water with endotoxic control that keeps shit from growing in it. Then you get into like WFI, <clears throat> which is like one of the cleanest waters. It's so clean it doesn't even conduct electricity. But the WFI is water for injection. It's it's water that they actually put in the medicine that people are going to inject into their body. Ah, bam. Yeah, it is like super clean water. <laughs> yeah, I've heard this. I can't remember who it's on, but it's uh, fucking pulls all the minerals out of your body or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. If you get real purified water, you're not supposed to drink it because it is, it is ionically imbalanced. It's, it, it is deprived of minerals. And if you drink it, it pulls the minerals out of your body. Mm. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. So that is a true thing that I've heard. <laughs> yep. You know, and that whole thing, I just, I struggle with that one. Because pure water is H2O. I mean, everybody knows it's H2O, which is two yeah. parts hydrogen and one part oxygen. Hydrogen is the most flammable gas known to man. And oxygen is an oxidizer. It accelerates combustion. So you take the most flammable gas known to man and an oxidizer, which is a gas that accelerates combustion, and put them together, and it makes water that will put a fire out. <laughs> how's that work stop that's going to keep me up all night just thinking about that how it's, that even makes yeah, sense I get, so. I, get, I get stuck on it all the time and it's like I, <laughs> and I know there's people out there that are way fucking smarter than I am you know that do science and all that shit and understand ionic bonds and molecules and molecular structures and all the shit that goes along with it and how to manipulate them and look at them and all the stuff that they do. I just find it so hard to believe that they haven't figured out how to make the fuel out of water because it's the most flammable gas known to man and an oxidizer. Yeah. If you come up with a process to separate those molecules, then you're going to have hydrogen and an oxidizer and it, you should be able to make a fuel out of water. <laughs> I just, I can't believe I bet, they haven't figured that out yet. I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna be one of those guys, but I bet you somebody has invented it and fucking right. 
They could somebody, and it's probably a super simple process. And yeah. the fucking petroleum giants said, "Nope, nope, yep, take them out." <laughs> I get, I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, dude. I didn't see, like, I didn't know Rockefeller had a huge thing to do with the pharmaceutical industry neither. I just read about that, you know, not too long ago. These one fellas are in everything. I mean, that's that's old money there. Yeah, yeah and I was like, huh, yeah. that's fucking, that's pretty mind blowing. One of the biggest industries in the world, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, hell, they started steel mills and shit way back. Yeah. You know, back when there was like thirteen colonies and shit. <laughs> mm. I'll tell you what, this being a journeyman is pretty fucking, it's pretty badass, dude. It is. Are you digging it? I, I am, dude. I say it all the time. I got I got a fucking trainee that's working for me right now, her pre-apprentice, and I just love it. Like, me, and, me and all my journeyman buddies are going to go on break now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dude, I did five years of an apprenticeship, dude. It's fucking, it's, it's a hard fucking thing to do, dude. It is. I give props to everybody fucking topped out this year. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I mean, you hear back and forth all the time. It's it looks it seems like it's so freaking long doing it and looking forward and going through it, but when you look back it's like, man, it's gone. It's just gone. Yeah. Five damn years, man. Yeah. I think the only thing I miss now is like when I when I'm trying to figure something out and I can't get it. I'm like, I wish my journeyman was here to figure it out for me. <laughs> so I'm yeah, telling yeah, the old time, yeah, I'm telling this old timer that's working in my booth. I'm like, hey, dude, you're still my journeyman. Can you come help me with this real quick? Mm. Yeah, that's part of it. You can't can't none of us know all of it. Yeah, and I was I've always heard from guys that say your first year as a journeyman, you you learn in it you know, a tremendous amount. Right. Yeah. Cause you have to, you have to, yeah. yeah. All the, all the shit that you're short on, you got to figure it out. <laughs> yep. 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 Yeah. It's pretty crazy. And of course there's those ones that haven't still, they've been journeyman topped out for 15, 20 years and still haven't figured it out. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of fucking to it. It's awesome though. It's just like what you're talking about, you know. I mean, you get you're you're tolerating, you're dealing with it, you're doing what you got to do. But it comes to time, you know, it's just when Sherman decides yep. I want to go work for somebody else. Yep, it's nice. I've been checking the board fucking religiously, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. But I was like, and there's there's been a couple people that are like, man, don't leave HMA. Sure, good fucking company. I was like, I mean, I know they're a good company. They've treated me right. good ever since I've been with them, but I kind of want to experience and see different shit and, you know. Yep. You know, I mean, that's the thing is, like like you said, HMH is a good company. They're, they're going to get a wide variety of projects, you know, and that's the thing. Regardless if you're with HMH or Shambaugh or, you know, Griezmann, it doesn't, it's just a different hard hat. It's all about longevity and having the time to gather that experience and get on different jobs, you know, and you'll get there if you stay with HMAs and you'll get there if you move around. It just depends on what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one thing about this trade, regardless of what contract you're working for, you're always going to get different jobs. No job is the same. 
Yeah. See, and I, I like HMH because they don't just do, they don't do schoolhouse work, which is nice. Like I did right. schoolhouse work for four years, and I got I got fucking burnt out of it, dude. Yeah. Same yep. thing every single building. Yeah, I could see that. I've done very little schoolhouse work, but man, I could just I could see it. Some of it being easy, just because it's semi-typical. Yeah, but you're doing the same thing all the time. I get you get yeah. burned out on it, you know. I I like the challenge of figuring shit out, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's everything I've done for HMH because it's always something brand new to me. So I'm like, all right, well, what's yep. the best way of doing this, or you know, which is I, I like that. That is the key: learning how to figure it out. Yeah. You know, you can learn all kinds of shit about the trade and, you know, how how equipment works, but it's just learning how to figure shit out. And I tell my son that all the time, you know, just working out in the garage on a car. He's like, I don't know how to do that. It's like, I don't either. That's the trick. <laughs> you have to learn how to figure it out. You know, yeah. I've never... I've never worked on one of these cars before. I've never, I mean, I've worked on plenty of automobiles, but this specific car and how it's made, I've never done it before. You've got to figure right. it out. You know, it's just anything mechanical. It's, and I've, I've just been blessed with a talent to be able to figure shit out. You know, I can, mechanical <laughs> stuff. Exactly. I can, I can, I can look at something and tell how it works. And sometimes I have to take it apart, but. <laughs> just just to see yeah i got these these two i'm gonna go back to the fucking cart because that's all i've been working on but they got these two heat exchangers and they're about 60 pounds and the bim guy was like they're just gonna hang off the copper two inch copper i'm like dude that's fucking there's no way so oh, i fucking yeah. I, well i had a welder fucking put some strut up you know or he welded some strut on the cart for me Ran a piece of strut across and then uh, took some angle brackets and like put them going across again just so the fucking thing don't fall down. Cause I mean, that's 60 pounds in the air. And they're right. trying to say, they're just trying to say copper is going to hold it up. I'm like, I don't know about that, dude. Yeah. With two inch copper pretty damn tough. Yeah. But I was like, man, it's just trying to pull measurements and shit like that. So I was like, I'll just build yeah. this temporary strut system now and then. Right. Whatever. Yeah, if you're if you're working on typical stuff, that's the best way to do it is set a jig up. Yeah. So I was like, I let way, you know it's the same every time. Yeah. I was like, I let the big dogs make the call. Whatever they want me to do, I'll do it. But Yeah, that's a that's a fab shop mentality there. Assembly line, manufacturing, anything that you can do to make it repetitious and make it the same over and over and over again, makes it easier and faster. And yeah. it's, it's, it's a different world than it is out in the field. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm trying yeah, to get some people. To... Some people are just natural at it, dude. Yeah. They, they got a welder in there. He's been in there for like eight years. I was like, I don't know if I could do that. I'm already getting burnt out of being there for two weeks. I'm like, I'm ready yeah. to go, go in the field. I'm, same way, dude. I, I'm not a fab shop guy. I can do it uh, for a short time, but not very long. Yeah, I'm just, I was like, I'm not really, it's, you know, it's nice having all the tools and shit there, but it's boring. Right. Yeah. I've done it a couple of times and I don't know if it's me or them, but I've never stuck around. <laughs> 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 
It's probably me. <laughs> we got to get rid of this guy. <laughs> He's going to cause trouble. <laughs> He's asking too many questions. Yeah, I got a good buddy doing working at the the new Jack Fab shop, and he was working like 70 hours a week there. I'm like, dude, that, that would burn me the fuck out. Being yeah. in the same fucking place like that for 70 hours, dude. Yeah, that's the way, that's the way our fab shops have been lately. You know, that's what, uh, who the hell was it? Was it Devin? No. No, he was a first year. God, I can't think of his name. But he was working in our fab shop, and the Saturday that we did the end of the year placement exam for the first years. He had to go up to the front office and talk to Carrick, you know, and I was like, what the hell, you know, Carrick came back and told me, he said, I need to take this guy. Uh, it was Josh little. I need to take him for a little bit and have a conversation with him. Well, apparently they were making him take two days off because he had worked like fucking 47 days straight. <laughs> and he was he was bitching about it he's like they can't like how can they make me take a day off you know <laughs> uh, fucking animal right he'll definitely be a guy that loves chasing all the overtime right yeah that's the way them guys been working seven twelves for fucking months dude and that's the way it is you know that's the way it should be a guy knows, you know, I mean, we're working seven twelves. That's seven days a week, 12 hours a day. When you're fucking tired, you take a day off. And it's usually Monday, not Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a buddy, Alex Woods. He's working for BMW. And he said he's been working fucking massive amounts of overtime. Yep. Dude, it's crazy. With, you know, just with TZP, I think they've got, God, I can't remember. I want to say it's like, it's some ridiculous amount, like 60,000 spools, you know. There's, I can just say like, well, holy shit, that's a lot, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Dude, have you yeah, guys, have they even started prefab at Lebanon job? No, no, I don't even think they've broke ground <laughs> on that one yet. Yeah, there's that, that one's probably going to be at least three years out because they got to do a lot of civil work, okay. work you know, site prep, all that, you know, municipalities. When you, when you build a facility that large out in BF fucking E, there's no resources. <laughs> They're going to have to do infrastructure. They're going to have to do stormwater removal. They're going to have to do city water coming in. The electricity, you know, I mean, the transformers, they don't have enough capacity for a facility that size. So there's a lot of the infrastructure that has to be done before they can even start building the building. Yeah, because Lebanon does not have that facility. They can't handle that capacity right now. They will, you know, I mean, and they'll probably the power will probably all come out of Terre Haute, you know. It's crazy. It's crazy to think. I mean, it's a, they're like, they're like building a whole city up there, pretty much. <laughs> you think? Just taking yeah. over. <laughs> you know, I mean, you think about it, is that they're building a small town. <laughs> yeah. Miles and miles of pipe, dude. It's good for us. Tons of fucking work. Right. Yeah. Just looking at everything I see, um, I don't see it drying up before I'm retired, you know. 
I yeah. see it running past. I actually see it running past that. And unless the bottom falls out of the economy or something stupid happens, you know. Yeah. You never know. You, you, you could have some type of stupid terrorist attack or some, you know, I mean, hell, they've been talking about freaking cyber attacks forever. Yeah. They've been, they've been talking about that for about three or four years now, you know, and, it's, they've, and there's been a lot of them that have been stopped. You know, I know not too long ago they had that that gas one. Didn't some, didn't they like right. shut down a whole on the East Coast or something? Yeah, yeah, they got into the distribution plant or whatever and locked up their system. Yeah, held it for ransom. <laughs> we'll turn we'll turn your shit back on if you give us millions of dollars. <laughs> Ooh, they're probably like that's nothing to us. Here's your here's your five million. Yeah. That's probably what they did. Okay, here you go. Turn it back on now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, those guys are thinking, fuck, we didn't ask for enough. <laughs> what was it? Uh, fuck, what's the movie? Austin Powers, you ever seen that? I've seen parts of it. I, I've never been able to sit through the whole damn thing. There's some part where the dad's like, we'll ask him for a million dollars. And the son's like, dude, that is not a lot of money. You need to ask him for way more. This is 2009. <laughs> you got to ask him for like 10 billion. <laughs> That's right. Always ask for more money. When you're talking about big money, it's bigger than what big used to be. A Megapop project used to be millions of dollars. This day and age, it's billions of dollars and it's all out there it's coming up like i said earlier we have a contract coming up time to start negotiating with contractors being careful that we're not pricing ourselves out of the market but getting a fair wage to keep up with the increases inflation the cost of living we all know that a carton of eggs should not be eight dollars but when it is you gotta make enough money to pay for it and if we get those increases just like the uaw then it trickles up you're that's the way inflation works keeps the economy going and it's all about big money and if we get a good contract we can keep surviving you know and on top of that you've got jobs coming up that are fast-paced high schedules you know working lots of overtime some of them are a time critical market you know they're trying to beat other people to the punch which puts a strain on the schedule and not only the available manpower they have to consider how they're going to get them there so it's going to be money ot they're paying per diem, incentive pay, all kinds of stuff like that. I hope you had fun on this one. A little bit of information throwing at you. we got more coming up, so please come back. And if you would, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Share it out there on social media. And check out WGSquared.com. It's a really cool place to get some really cool working gear. Working game, working gear. WGSquared.com. Check it out. Until next time, peace!